1: Well, welcome to another episode of From Hostage to Hero. Sorry, Delamotte, here with you. I'm hoping my voice holds out during the podcast. Um, I'm here in the Pacific Northwest and we are experiencing wildfires. We actually had to evacuate for about four days. Our house made it, thankfully. But I've been just nursing a nasty headache and a gravelly voice due to all the smoke. It looks like it's about to clear here at the coast where we now live. So I'm grateful for that and thinking of everyone else in the Pacific Northwest who is still dealing with Evacuations and wondering if their homes are safe. I'm thinking of you, my friends, and all over the country, not just Oregon and Washington, but also California and different spots in the US. So, sending you my thoughts, and I hope that you listeners are sending your thoughts as well. All right. Well, we're going to talk about something uncomfortable today, and we're going to talk about it because it's important to talk about, and we're going to talk about it because I want to talk about it, and I can because this is my podcast. What is this uncomfortable thing we're going to talk about? Well, we're going to talk about race, and we're going to talk about tackling racism. We're going to talk about tackling racism in the legal profession specifically. Many of you may have seen that we had a free webinar um, a week and a half ago, I guess, when this podcast hits, um, called Tackling Racism in the Legal Profession, a conversation on ra- – on, I can't remember what we called it um, – Basically, how do we fix this shit? That's what it was, was meant to be. We had six panelists who uh, agreed to come on and talk on the webinar, and something happened. Something happened before and after the webinar that I want to share with you, and I want to share with you what I learned, and I want to share with you what I hope that you learn and what you take from my experience, and maybe those of you who experienced some of my experience, because we all run in the same circles. I went ahead and posted the webinar to a legal listserv that is moderated by a very well-known trial attorney. And I just said, hey, I hope you can join us this afternoon for this webinar. I gave the details, the time, the description. And what I received and what the entire listserv received in response was a um, comment that was racist. And it, um, it really took me aback because here, I thought, you know, this is a voluntary uh, webinar that, that no one must uh, attend. And in fact, the reason why I chose to do the webinar is when all of the the stuff started happening, and I, it's still ridiculous even thing, stuff started happening, oh my gosh, this has been going on for hundreds of years, but when it, George Floyd's death and all of those things happened and, and all the protests would happen, I just felt I needed to do something. I needed to do something. I needed to not just even say anything because it's not about me. I needed to have some voices of color that could speak. And I had a platform and at least that I could do. And so when I got the racist response, I, I was shocked. And I probably shouldn't have been. But I expected more from our-, our brothers and sisters in the plaintiff world. And so then it began because I called it out. And then I was rebuked for getting political and for um, having a conversation that was not about trial skills on that particular listserv and let's just please keep it to trial skills. That's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the sense of privilege that we have if you are white, especially if you're a white male, and I'm sorry if that makes you uncomfortable. In fact, I'm not sorry that it makes you uncomfortable. It's just the truth that we can have spaces where we declare that we're not going to talk about anything that makes us uncomfortable. I want to point out that our brothers and sisters of color do not have that option, They do not have the option to take their skin off and be seen for who they are and not judged for the color of their skin. They do not have a space that is free from racism. And it's an incredible act of privilege to suggest that we keep our legal listservs free of discussions about race because it makes us uncomfortable, particularly when said discussion was not even a discussion about race. It was calling out a racist comment. Now, I want to give you three things, three myths that I believe that we, as white people, because that's who I'm primarily speaking to, if you look at our industry and you look at the makeup of our bars across the nation, you will find that the majority of them are white. I myself am white. And I want to share with you what I'm learning Primarily because I want to go first and make it safe for you, but I also want to, to really communicate that we don't have to be perfect. Because I think this is where so many of us get stuck. You know, I'm reading the book uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram. Uh, I'm going to get the name wrong, uh, Kendi. I think I'm saying that correct, and. I'm not done reading it. It's a fantastic book, I highly recommend it. And so my first thought today was when I wanted to podcast on this because this just happened and it's fresh in my mind is that, you know, I should wait. I should wait until I read the entire book. In fact, until I've read several other books and have a super educated opinion about this. And I think this is one of the places that we go wrong is that we think that we have to be totally and completely ready to talk about race, in case we get it wrong. And I'm going to suggest to you that that is one of the myths. And it's not just a myth, it's an excuse, an excuse to keep ourselves safe, so that we don't have to risk being uncomfortable. We can say, well, the reason I'm not speaking out on this is because I'm not totally educated about it yet. I, I don't know that my, my opinion is is firmly rooted in, in reality. And maybe it's just me being a hothead or whatever. And all the things that I've been thinking, by the way, over the last week and a half since this happened, and I spoke out about it, what I have recognized is that we use it as an excuse. And so I wasn't going to use it as an excuse this morning to not have this podcast because i think what we're afraid of is that someone's going to come in and say you are doing this wrong how dare you you don't really get what it's like for people of color and that's my second story is cuz i got that too after our webinar i got a very scathing email from a person of color saying that the webinar was appalling and a joke and that we didn't get to the very real systematic systemic causes of racism and I have to agree with her we did not now we did not advertise that we would (laughs) I didn't think that anyone would think that we would in an hour-long webinar Um, it was just a conversation but notice how over the space of that four days I got uh, reprimanded for doing too much and doing too little and I think this is why we get scared This does not give us an excuse, but it's why we get scared. I'm either not doing enough or I'm doing too much. And what I'm going to suggest to you is fuck that shit. It cannot be the reason why we do not speak up about racism. Because that brings us to the second myth about speaking out about racism, calling something out when you see it as racist. And that is, is that what you do won't matter. I think first we're afraid we're going to get it wrong And then second, we're afraid that it won't matter. Listen, it does matter. You know who it matters to? It matters to our brothers and sisters of color. They are listening and watching how we, white people of privilege, handle racism in our society. Because racism is prevalent and they have to live with it every single day and they're tired, my friends. They're exhausted. We talk a lot about how how difficult it is to be a trial attorney. I can't even imagine what it's like to be a trial attorney and on top of that add all of the systemic racism that exists. If you if you haven't watched the webinar, Go back and watch. You can find it on our From Hostage to Hero Facebook page. You can also find it on our YouTube channel. It's shareable on our YouTube channel. It's not in the From Hostage to Hero Facebook group because that's a private group. and Nothing is shareable in there because of the private things that people are sharing. But if you want to share it with others after watching, you can grab the link from our YouTube channel. But if you go back and you watch the webinar, you will hear the things that these people have to put up with on a day-to-day basis. Things like being called boy or girl in court by opposing counsel showing up to a trial and being mistaken for the criminal defendant being told in mediations and settlement conferences that what is being offered which is way too low is a lot of money and they should recognize that all because of the color of your skin can you imagine the answer to that is no because none of us have really had to deal with that So it is enough. At least it's a start. Let me put it that way. We need to speak up because when we don't, our sisters and brothers of color notice. Which brings me to the second piece, which is second myth, which is, you know, I'm not sure if it's racist, quote unquote, enough. When we're talking about the comment that was left on the listserv regarding said webinar, the comment was no thanks. I think we should do some focus groups to find out how ordinary citizens feel about these types of things being our noses being shoved in these types of things. Now on its face you might say well that's rude but it's not racist. Listen there is no neutrality when it comes to this. There is no middle ground where there are some things that are Maybe hitting the racist button, but not so bad that they're using the N-word. So I'm not really sure if I should call it out. Listen, this is how racism has morphed in this country. (laughs) I say morph, but we've been going backwards, have we not? I mean, now people are feeling way more emboldened to use the N-word and yell and scream. And and much like the 1950s were here in the United States, it's like we've come full circle. But we have also been taught or we accept that unless it hits a certain level of racism, then it's not really racist. It's a little uncomfortable. It's probably not PC. It probably shouldn't have been said, but I don't know if I'd call it racist. Listen, it is racist. That comment was racist. Why? It denigrated the webinar. It denigrated the the subject matter. It was exactly worded in a way that would make all of us white people feel confused about whether or not we should call it out. This is exactly what is happening when it comes to the racist types of conversations and comments that we are seeing in our world today. This is exactly what's happening because we then question ourselves, well, is that racist enough for me to have to speak out? Listen, Again, I'm going to highly suggest How to Be an Anti-Racist by Abram Kendi because it's such a great book and he talks about this very thing about how we have made racist a word like a slur and how it is simply descriptive. And you know what I also love what he says? He says that we are not racist or anti-racist. It is what we are doing in the moment. It's not a permanent tattoo. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that glorious that we can change moment by moment and decide to not say or do a racist thing and to say or do an anti-racist thing? Suggesting that I'm not racist is not even an option. It's either racist to do or say something or anti-racist. There is no middle ground and he can explain it much better than I can but it's a wonderful way to look at it is that neutrality helps no one it makes us feel safe and that is not our job listen we created this it is our mess to fix not our brothers and sisters of color are you willing to fix it are you willing to get in here and get uncomfortable I hope so what I know about you my listeners I know so. The third myth. The third myth is that arguing about racism is not going to change anyone's mind. So why even attempt it? Because it's just not going to do it and it's just going to devolve into this big thing and, you know, it's pointless. I agree. And I'm not suggesting that you argue racism. What I am suggesting is that you call it out. And you don't call it out to correct or rebuke the person who made said racist comment, you call it out again, because our people of color are watching. Our colleagues of color are watching. They need us to say something. And why do they need us to say something? Because we can do it with little to no repercussions. Has the last week and a half been uncomfortable for me? You fucking bet it has. It's been an emotional roller coaster for me. Let me also point out that it is nothing, nothing to even compare to what our Black, Asian, Latina colleagues have to deal with. I'm sure I'm missing someone, have to deal with on a day to day basis. We can stand up to this and face, yes, some uncomfortableness, but not even the level of repercussions that they will face. If they stand up, and many of them are, and they are willing to risk and to sacrifice. But the fact of the matter comes back to, again, this is our mess to clean up. And we have more power here to clean it up. Yes, we will be uncomfortable. Yes, we may get some backlash. I've gotten plenty over the last week and a half. But I haven't lost my job. It's because I'm my own boss. But I probably have lost some clients. Worth it. But we can speak up with much less repercussions than those who have different skin color than we do. And that's what I want to remind you of. And that's why this is important. Now, what our brothers and sisters of color do not need is a white savior. So that's not what I'm suggesting. What they need is an ally. They need to hear that you are standing up against racism, which means Calling it out when you see it. So those are the three things I'm going to leave you with today, is that here are the things that I can suggest you get started. This is not the last word on how to combat racism in our profession, but this is a start. The first one is call it out when you see it. Be willing to get uncomfortable. Be willing to risk. Isn't this what we do in this profession? We risk all the time. You're used to this. You know how this goes. So let's risk now for those of us who need us to stand up and speak for them. You're used to doing that. That's what you do. You're warriors. So do it here. Do not be afraid. Challenge your colleagues when you hear racist stuff at CLEs, at drinks, on a listserv. Call that shit out. Second, invite your brothers and sisters, your colleagues of color to speak at events. I can't tell you how many times I've been a speaker and it's been me, the only woman, and a bunch of white men. We need more diversity and not just on diversity caucuses or panels. Oh my word. We need them speaking on cross-exam, on opening, on voir dire. We need diverse voices across the board. Invite them to speak at your next CLE. And third educate yourself do not put this on your colleagues of color to educate you about this can you have conversations with them if they're open absolutely but it's our job to figure this shit out so let's do it Ibram Kendi's book how to be an anti-racist is a great start I'm going to start compiling some things that I'm reading and posting them from hostage to hero so if you need some resources there they will be there soon but educate yourself, watch, listen, read. When you have the, the sense that you are being challenged or uncomfortable, put down your defenses and listen. That's how I changed. Listen, I grew up with racism. I had all kinds of white friends come over to my house and play. And yet we played with our couple of black neighbors outside. I can't remember a single time that they were actually in my house. Racist things were said. I grew up with racism. It was just a part of how I was raised. Many of us had that same experience. We need to challenge those things. We need to get uncomfortable. We need to start putting down our defenses and and not look at racism as a slur or racist thoughts or actions and recognize we can change those things moment by moment, by listening, by seeking to understand before being understood, as Covey would say. Now, I want to end with so many of you email me and saying that I'm such a hero for speaking out. And I just want to clarify that I am not a hero. I was a hostage. I'll put it that way. I think many of you were hostages in that we are hostages to fear. We are hostages in that we are worried that if we speak out, that there will be repercussions. And so in that way, we can all be heroes here by releasing ourselves from our hostageness where racism is concerned and begin listening and trying to understand and speaking out and be willing to get it wrong and learn and change and grow. I'm committing to doing it. We'll have more webinars. We'll have more conversations on this in the next several months and years. I'm not stopping with just the one conversation. I hope you don't either. Talk soon.
0: That's it for this episode of From Hostage to Hero. But head to our website, sorrydlm.com, for other must-have resources from Sari Delamart. Read the transcript of this podcast, watch trial tip videos, or download your free copy of Sari's article, Why Jurors Hate the Hobby Question. We're glad you joined us today. And until next time, remember that to lead a hostage to freedom, you must first free yourself.